Folks, shame is dead. And young women, of course, are the collateral damage. On Sunday, there's this lady named Amber Rose. Amber Rose, you probably don't know her, but she's famous because she's a former stripper and she stooped both Wiz Khalifa and Kanye West, two people who you probably shouldn't know but do because that's what we do in our culture. Well, Amber Rose held what she called a slut walk in Los Angeles to promote, presumably, being a slut. I mean, that's what a slut walk would do. She wanted to end the stigma associated with female promiscuity. She's been fighting the stigma for a while here. Is video of her doing just that for Funny or Die. Good morning. Good morning. Say, it looks to me like you had sex last night. I sure did. Sounds like you're living your best life. <laughs> All right. It seems as though that woman hasn't been home since last night. I sure haven't. Congratulations. Thank you. Nothing I haven't done before. In my day, I was no stranger to the walk of shame. No shame here. Hey, you're an inspiration to my daughter. I respect that you enjoyed yourself last night. Well, the, the stigma against female promiscuity exists because female promiscuity is bad, like objectively bad. It's highly associated with depression, it's highly associated with loneliness, it's highly associated with STDs. By the way, a lot of this also applies to male promiscuity. Female promiscuity also carries with it an extra risk that males don't have, namely the risk of pregnancy. And that risk, of course, means that people have more abortions, it means single motherhood, because it turns out that women who participate in promiscuous activity and then are impregnated by these fathers, they typically don't end up married to the dad, dad takes off. But promoting this lie that promiscuity and non-promiscuity are all wonderful and healthy for young women, Amber Rose, who's a delightful specimen of humanity, decided that a slut walk had to be held. So Rose held the slut walk in L.A., and it was supposed to draw 1,000 people. Instead, it drew about 250, and it used Pershing Park to create what they called a completely inclusive space, super inclusive. According to Rose's slut walk website, quote, this event will have a zero-tolerance policy on all hateful language, racism, sexism, ableism, fat shaming, transphobia, or any other kind of bigotry or made-up word that we can think of to fit into the sentence. So apparently, inclusivity only includes people who agree with Amber Rose, which doesn't seem super inclusive, actually. In fact, the event was so non-inclusive that Breitbart News, they have a commentator named Milo Yiannopoulos. He's a merrily gay guy. He's super gay and super proud of it. And he found himself ejected by police because he started asking the attendees really controversial questions like, do you actually think a rape culture exists? At which point, these inclusive folks called the cops and ejected the openly gay guy. Now, the slut walk didn't openly make the case for promiscuity because that would be totally idiotic, because to make the case for promiscuity over chastity or monogamy is nonsensical. But it set up a straw man, and this is a straw man that has become really predominant on the left. These slut walk advocates say they were fighting against a culture that says that women who are promiscuous are responsible for others raping them, right? It's victim shaming. If you say the promiscuity is bad, what you're really saying is it's okay if men rape promiscuous women. According to BuzzFeed, that halcyon of morality and wonder, the slut walk fought the notion that, quote, women who dress a certain way are somehow inviting someone to take advantage of their body. And no one thinks this. No one is invited to rape a woman. Nobody, the fact that we have to say this, just demonstrates how stupid the argument is in the first place. In fact, the people who are most against rape tend to be the same conservatives who don't like promiscuity. This is why people like me would like to see rap rapists chemically castrated. But to fight against so-called rape culture, the social justice warriors of Slutwalk 
They say that women should actively put themselves in risky situations. So in other words, it's not a woman's fault if she's raped. Therefore, a woman should do unbelievably stupid things, which makes no sense. Slut Walk promotes the idea that young women should act dangerously to show freedom. Because it turns out, by the way, that it is more dangerous to have sex with dudes you don't know well, which typically underlies promiscuity. So feminists actually want it both ways here. They want to argue on the one hand that all men, all of them, are primitive pigs. They're disgusting, they're primitive, they're awful. They also want to argue that gender is a social construct, which makes no sense if all men are primitive pigs and all women aren't. And they also want to assume a reality in which no men are primitive pigs. In other words, if women do risky things with men, then all men will be gentlemen about it, which of course is stupid because they're living in a world where normative and descriptive are the same thing. They're trying to say that Men should not rape women, therefore men don't rape women. That, that's, again, nonsensical. Slutwalk suggests that society faces a choice. Either we say that all activity is equally safe or we're victim-blaming. So if a woman walks down the street in her bra and panties in an unsafe neighborhood at night and then she gets raped, then we can't say she acted stupidly. That would be victim-blaming, which is ridiculous nonsense. If I walk through a high-crime area at night and I'm waving my wallet in the air, the criminal who punches me and grabs the wallet, he's 100% responsible for his crime, just like the rapist would be 100% responsible for the rape, not 99%, 100%. But that doesn't mean I'm not a moron. If I walk around a bad area with my wallet out, waving it all about, presumably my risk goes up. There are certain behavior that is just riskier. The criminal is 100% guilty still and will go to jail for being 100% guilty, but I am also 100% stupid. These two truths can exist simultaneously. Slut walk promotes women walking into dark alleys with strange men. This is what they do. There's one sign at the rally that said, my pussy, my choice, which is certainly true. So is my wallet, my choice. But your risk of being harmed, it does change a little bit based on where you choose to display either one of these things. Promiscuity, obviously an exercise in freedom. Nobody's arguing promiscuity should be illegal. It isn't freedom wisely exercised, however. Social stigmas against promiscuity, they have a well-founded purpose. They protect women. I don't want my daughter to be promiscuous because I want her to be safe. But slut walk isn't about protecting women. It's about making promiscuous women feel better about themselves, people like Amber Rose, by lying to other young women about the risks and the damage that promiscuity carries. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. No isn't it that racism tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings? So today, the big surprise in politics is that Kevin McCarthy, the Republican... House Majority Leader from California, he dropped out of the race for Speaker of the House. And this isn't really that big a surprise. Everybody was acting super surprised about it because in politics, it's rare that somebody reads the writing on the wall. McCarthy did. He wasn't going to be Speaker. And so McCarthy decided that he was going to drop out instead, which leaves a couple of other candidates, Daniel Webster from Florida. It leaves Jason Chaffetz from Utah. There are probably some other folks who are out there. We'll get to that in just a second. McCarthy dropped out because he had made this comment about Benghazi in part, and it had undercut whatever base he had. It made him look incompetent. It made him look foolish. He also dropped out because it turns out that being Speaker of the House, it ain't a real glamorous job. When you're trying to hold everything together, folks, it gets kind of rough. Here's the statement that Kevin McCarthy released on his decision not to run for Speaker of the House. He said, I have the deepest respect and regard for each member of the conference and our team as a whole. It's imperative for us to unite and work together on the challenges facing our country. Over the last week, it has become clear to me that our conference is deeply divided and needs to unite behind one leader. I've always put this conference ahead of myself. Therefore, I'm withdrawing my candidacy for Speaker of the House. Well, it's obvious that the conference is deeply divided. The problem is there's no consensus candidate. And in the absence of a consensus candidate, 
Speaker John Boehner canceled the vote, which means he gets to be speaker for a little bit longer. Here's his announcement today. He said, after Leader McCarthy's announcement, members of the House Republican Conference will not vote today for a new speaker. As I've said previously, I will serve as speaker until the House votes to elect a new speaker, which at this point could be years. I mean, I, I really am thinking D's nuts for Speaker of the House. I mean, he's already polling 15% in some of the national polls for president. D's nuts for Speaker of the House. Some people have suggested Newt Gingrich for Speaker of the House. There's kind of all these out-of-the-box suggestions going on for Speaker of the House. As everyone by now knows, you don't actually have to be a member of the House in order to be Speaker of the House. Speaker Boehner says, we will announce the date for this election at a later date, and I'm confident we will elect a new Speaker in the coming weeks. Our conference will work together to ensure we have the strongest team possible as we continue to focus on the American people's priorities. Well, the last thing you want Boehner's focus on is the American people's priorities. I'd rather have him continue to focus on his drinking problem than, than focus on the American people's priorities. Every time he focuses on the American people's priorities, they always end up oddly sharing a commonality with President Obama's priorities. But here is the real problem. So today, today there are rumors going around the Republicans were going to work with Democrats to elect the next House Speaker. Charlie Dent, who's a representative from Florida, he actually came out and he told the press he thinks that they might have to get a bunch of Democrats to vote for the Republican House Speaker, which, of course, is exactly what John Boehner has done with these continuing resolutions. It's what he did with sequestration. It's what he did with funding Obamacare and funding executive amnesty and Planned Parenthood. Speaker Boehner does this routine where when he can't get enough Republicans on his side, what he then does is he goes and he gets Democrats to vote with him. And so now they want to do the same thing with regard to the Speaker of the House himself or herself. Well, this demonstrates in pretty cold, clear light that when it comes to the GOP establishment, they are significantly more interested in maintaining power for themselves than they are in allowing the conservative base to take hold. And more importantly, they hate the conservative base more than they hate Democrats. They would rather have 150 Democrat votes for a House Republican than they would have 218 Republican votes for a Republican to lead the House. And this, of course, has been Ted Cruz's whole argument in the presidential race. It's the reason why people are resonating to Donald Trump and Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina. There's a feeling that the establishment Republican Party just does not like the conservative base that there's an inherent unease and distrust of the conservative base. And this goes all the way back to 2008 with John McCain, who had nothing but scorn for the conservative base, or 2012 when Mitt Romney described himself as a severe conservative. Now, conservatives look at comments like that and they say, this guy isn't conservative at all. I mean, seriously, if you're a conservative, you have never in your life described conservatism as severe. It's just nothing that you've ever said. But there are all these kind of non-gut Republicans who consider themselves mildly conservative, and then they have to stretch in order to appeal to conservatives. The establishment uses the same strategy with regard to the presidential races they use with regard to speaker. They would rather keep power with the establishment, even if it means you're alienating the conservative base, because they believe wrongly that the conservatives will eventually say, okay, we'll go along with you because what other choice do we have? We're going to vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker of the house, right? We'll have to vote with you because we have no other alternatives. The problem is, sooner or later, there will be another alternative. Sooner or later, there will be a third party if this sort of thing keeps up. Because you can't expect people to sit down and swallow the purpose of their convictions simply because you want to maintain political power. So it'll be interesting to see whose name pops up here. Paul Ryan was suggested by, by Kevin McCarthy. Paul Ryan's another establishment guy, voted for TARP. He is, he's already said he is not going to run. There's been a little bit of talk about Daryl Issa, who would probably be more acceptable to some members of the base. 
But here's the thing. If, if, if it takes Democratic votes to elect a Republican speaker, you can kiss the future of the Republican Party goodbye because the split is just too big. There's no way to rectify that split. So obviously, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, meanwhile, there's a big, pretty big controversy that's broken out over Rupert Murdoch because Rupert Murdoch has been for a very long time a fan of Dr. Ben Carson. We spoke about Ben Carson and his rising candidacy yesterday. Well, Ben Carson has been making more comments on various topics, which we'll get to in just a minute. But Rupert Murdoch tweeted something out that went viral and people reacted badly to. He tweeted out, Ben and Candy Carson, terrific. What about a real black president who can properly address the racial divide and much else? Was that phrase, real black president, that ticked people off? People on the left suggested that this was terrible, that this was racist, to suggest that Barack Obama, by implication, is not a real black president. Van Jones was on CNN with Don Lemon and the rest of the crew on that crap show of a network, and Van Jones had this to say about Rupert Murdoch's supposedly racist tweet. Van, what's your take on this? Is he saying President Barack Obama is not a real black president? Well, first of all, it's just completely outrageous and disgusting that somebody who's in charge of Fox News, which has done more to undermine President Obama than any uh, news outlet in human history against any president, would break <laughs> breath to open his mouth to say anything about what this president has done or not done for anybody. Yeah. It's just completely disgusting. And then also to, for him to challenge the blackness of the president, uh, you know, that is something we are now seeing the Donald Trump effect uh, affect the entire media landscape. This is a kind of juvenile crap that if somebody said about a kid in, in junior high school, you'd say it's not appropriate. How can you have someone like Rupert Murdoch, with all of his wealth and power, stoop so low to challenge someone's ethnicity? So this is it's ridiculous. Van, it's I don't ridiculous. know. Okay, Van Jones can, can say all he wants about this sort of thing, but okay, let's start with, with his first point, the idea that Fox News has undermined Obama more than any network has ever undermined a president. I seem to remember, I'm old enough to remember when Obama was not the president. I know it feels like forever since the dictator assumed his status and since we started building, carving statues out of the stone for him. But the fact is that I remember when George W. Bush was president, and I seem to remember a network like that one right there that used to undermine President Bush on a pretty regular basis. And as far as this nonsense where he says that it's, it's tremendous racism, it's the Donald Trump effect, it's just, it's awful. Whenever you hear the, these statements from people like Van Jones, that whenever you have Rupert Murdoch saying that Barack Obama is not a real black person, what does the left have to say about Clarence Thomas? What does the left have to say about Clarence Thomas? The left has been saying that Clarence Thomas isn't a real black person for virtually as long as I've been alive. And Van Jones has done things like this, by the way. The, the major journalists in 2007, major journalists in 2007, repeatedly asked Barack Obama if he was a real black person. This idea that Rupert Murdoch said something so wildly out of bounds. The fact is that if that's out of bounds, then so are, so are comments by Steve Croft in 2007. He asked Obama why he even considered himself black, considering he grew up in a white home. The LA Times infamously wrote a piece back in 2007 in which they asked if Obama was really black. Stanley Crouch of the New York Daily News wrote this back in 2007. He said, other than color, Obama did not and does not share a heritage with the majority of black Americans who are descendants of plantation slaves. So when black Americans refer to Obama as one of us, I do not know what they are talking about. Columbia Journalism Review in 2007 wrote, those inside and outside the black community have questioned Obama's racial identity. And it's amazing. All, uh, half the people who are criticizing Murdoch about this tweet have done exactly the same thing. Joan Walsh, 
who's a professional useless person over at Salon.com. Like, that's what she gets paid to do, is to, to be useless. Joan Walsh recently labeled a guy named Andrew Duncombe, who's a black activist who rallies on behalf of the Confederate flag. She, she said that he is the black rebel. She put it in scare quotes because he's not really black. And then she compared him to a Dave Chappelle character who's black but blind and doesn't know he's actually black. So it's okay for the left to do it, but it's never okay for the right to do it. I think the question of whether somebody is really black is, is asinine in general, just because race is... Uh, the left will, will consider everything a social construct. Gender is a social construct, right? Sex is a social construct. It doesn't matter that you have this part and she has this part. That's a social construct. But race is completely, completely a non-social construct. Only one problem, race actually is a social construct in the sense that there is no one gene that determines what race you are. And the level of melanin in your skin, obviously, doesn't even determine what race you are because there are people who are black in that they have black people in their, in their bloodline, in their heritage, who appear to be more white than half the white people that I know. I mean, the, Beyonce in certain lights looks more white than half of my white friends. That doesn't make her not black. But it is sort of a, a, an arbitrary and shifting boundary, which is why whenever people say, is, is this person black enough? It's such a stupid question, and it really is just a proxy for, and the left uses it as a proxy for, is this person leftist enough? That's really what they mean by all of this. And for the record, if we're going to use the left's standard of what a true black person is, you know, inner city experience, grew up in a single parent family, Ben Carson is more black than Obama, right? Ben Carson had two black parents, not one. Ben Carson grew up in inner city Detroit, Ben Carson's ancestors actually were slaves, unlike Obama's, who at least on his mother's side, his ancestors actually held slaves. So, I mean, if, if we're going to get into this competition and use the left's language, then Rupert Murdoch is actually kind of right. It's a silly tweet by Rupert Murdoch, but the fact that everybody goes nuts over Rupert Murdoch saying the same thing the left was saying about Barack Obama just a few years ago. And by the way, they've said it now, too. After Obama started getting super-duper aggressive in his, in his latest iteration, after his re-election, after he did that, there were people who were saying, well, now Obama's really acting like the black president we thought he was going to be. Okay, you don't get to do that and then rip on Rupert Murdoch. Now, speaking of Ben Carson, who is being defended by Rupert Murdoch here, Ben Carson continues to confound a lot of people because he's not going down in the polls, even though he isn't always the best spokesperson for particular causes. But it does demonstrate that you don't have to be great at campaigning. You don't even have to be a great rhetorician in order, to, in order to fight back against a media that is utterly incompetent. So Ben Carson appeared on The View the other day. And if you want to see a collection of the lowest IQ people on the planet, all you have to do is watch The View. I mean, if you watch The View, the, the brain power in that room could maybe toast a piece of bread lightly. Maybe. And we're talking about, I mean, seriously, I mean, we're talking about the combined IQ of a kumquat, and I only use a kumquat rather than a rock because they have functioning bodily functions. Here, here is Ben Carson on The View talking about abortion, and, uh, and it goes poorly for the gals of The View. I spent my entire career trying to preserve life mm -hmm. and give people quality of life, even operating on babies in the womb, mm -hmm. operating all night long sometimes on premature babies, and I get to meet those people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they're adults and productive adults. There is no way you can convince me that they're not important, that they're just a mass of so cells so and that Dr. you can do ben, anything I, I just, I want to say, I want to ask you this. Have you met with the women who have to make these horrendous decisions when they have to make them of whether or not they can bring a child into the world? Okay, can we pause I mean, it there for we a talk second? About this is the stupidest question, okay? So Whoopi Goldberg has been on this show since before Adam was in the garden. She has, she, she 
is asking here about women making a horrendous decision. Okay, the question itself acknowledges that this is a human life. Right? Otherwise, it's not a horrendous decision. Last time I had a polyp removed, it was not a horrendous decision. It was actually kind of easy. I didn't want the polyp. I had it removed. Right? Last time I had a skin tag removed at the dermatologist, I, I really didn't have to think about it too much. I didn't sit around in the middle of the night and think about, oh, oh my God, the skin tag. Is it, w- There's so many moral implications to the skin tag. Nobody has ever thought this. But here she is, oh, it's a horrendous decision. Okay, so you're acknowledging that it's a human being, and so the horrendous decision is to kill it, which means it's not a decision at all. It means that it's murder. But Whoopi Goldberg is too stupid to realize even the implications of her question. This is sort of the problem for the left on abortion. They want to take the moral question seriously without acknowledging that a moral question even exists. You can't pretend that it should be safe, legal, and rare if you're saying it should be safe and legal. Then why should it be rare? I mean, what's the point of that? Is there some great societal harm that that we've yet to face? in killing off polyps, I I haven't seen it. But Whoopi Goldberg continues, and each second, I I know folks that this is is actually me performing torture on you, but each second that you watch Whoopi Goldberg, your IQ drops by 0.3%. Bringing children into the world all the time, but periodically, some women feel, I I just can't. And are you empathetic to them? Because we just had a... Very empathetic. Oh, good. Go ahead, sorry, Very empathetic, And, and what I have said is that this is a job for us in the private sector. What we need to do is make sure that we provide adequate daycare centers for these uh, mothers so that they can get their GED, their associate's but degree, wait, their wait, bachelor's degree, their master's degree. But wait, you're assuming that these are mothers who aren't, in, who aren't educated. I mean, these, well, I'm talking about I'm women talking about who make that. I'm talking about most of them. Well, I don't know that you can. I, uh, no. No. Let me tell you a fact. Let me tell you a fact. Stop it there. Let me tell you a fact. Jerry Springer and, and you got Whoopi Goldberg over here. No, shut it down. Okay, Whoopi, <laughs> calm down. Okay, this is the, the, the idea that most women who have abortions, look at Raven Simone there. I mean, the eyes just bugging out of the head. And what a gourd that is. Uh, here, here is here, and Ben Carson, you know, talking to, to it, it's just, it's, talk about a difference in intellectual level here. The, the idea that, that most women who have abortions are not impoverished, okay, is nonsense. Most women who have abortions are impoverished. Statistically speaking, most women who have abortions are people who do not have adequate resources. And if it's not the case, if that's not the case, then it completely undermines Whoopi Goldberg's argument because what's the counter-argument now? She, that, that anytime you feel like having an abortion, you can just have an abortion for any reason, then it's not a horrific decision, is it? It's just, it's so insulting, it's so insulting. But Ben Carson, I mean, he has, I have, when I'm in, in places with, with members of the left media, I, I have tremendous patience with them. Ben Carson has even more patience than I would have at this point because for him to sit through this and this face, and this lady, and Joy Behar, who is actually the in the dictionary under obnoxious. There's a picture of Joy Behar. For him to sit through this is, is kind of incredible. We'll finish the clip just because I can't resist torturing you folks. I'm sorry, you're, you're here. Deal with it. The fact is, a lot of those young girls who are having babies out of wedlock, when they have that We're first not talking baby, about them, they stop their education. And that child is four times as likely to grow up in poverty. We as a society have an obligation to do what's necessary to stop that cycle from occurring. So how important is birth control then to the Republican Party? How important is birth control then to the Republican Party? How important is not killing babies to the Republican Party? I love it that, that for, for all of these women on The View, the only main public policy issues here are we have to give you free condoms or we have to give you free daycare. But at no point in here are you capable of making a decision. So you're fully capable of making a decision to kill a human being, but you're not capable of making a decision not to put that there 
And you're also not fully capable of making a decision to actually make sure that you have enough people in your life to help take care of a baby. These are, but you're capable of killing people, so that's, that's good to know, according to the left. But this, of course, is why Ben Carson is gaining in popularity. Ben Carson has also gotten himself in hot water lately because of what he had to say about shooters at Umpqua Community College. Here's what Ben Carson had to say when he was asked about the shooting at Umpqua Community College, that mass shooting, last week. What did you mean when you said, I would not just stand there? I want to plant in people's minds what to do in a situation like this, because unfortunately, this is probably not going to be the last time this happens. Mm -hmm. Do and you believe the victims in Oregon just stood there? Uh, from the indications that I got, they did not rush the shooter. The shooter can only shoot one person at a time. He cannot shoot a whole group of people. And uh, so the ideal is overwhelm him so that not everybody gets killed. Do you know who Chris Mintz is? No. So Chris Mintz is an Army veteran, and he was shot seven times. He did actually rush the shooter, and he's being hailed as a hero. He actually blocked the door. He saved people's lives. So someone in the instance did actually and that, act heroically. That verifies what I'm saying. That's exactly what should be done. And if everybody does that, the likelihood of him being able to kill as many people diminishes quite significantly. Okay, what exactly the Ben Carson is saying there is wrong? The answer is not much, but the fact is Ben Carson must be taken out of the race, and he must be taken out of the race at the first available opportunity. And, and he, he has to be taken out because he's a threat. He's a threat not only to, to a lot of establishment Republicans, he's a threat to the media narrative, which is that Republicans are racist and terrible, and every moment then Ben Carson continues to gain in the polls, Republicans get to trot him out there and say, okay, you know, if we're so racist, then why is it that we like this guy so much? It is, it is also, I think, important to point out that for all the people who say that the Republicans are just interested in the, the bluster and the bravado and all of this, it's hard to find a more soft-spoken man than Dr. Carson. I mean, really, like, as in I can't even hear him half the time. It's very difficult to, to find someone who's more soft-spoken than Dr. Carson. And then on the other side, you have Donald Trump, who's the loudest possible human being. I mean, it, it almost makes you bipolar, but this is, this is, the Republican Party is just looking for not politically correct and speaking the truth. And that's why I hope, I hope, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I hope that the Republican Party in the House selects somebody as speaker who's willing to speak the truth. Because the truth is that people in the House tend to think of the speaker as someone who is procedurally smart, who knows all the maneuvers and gambits that can push forward a political agenda. What the Republican Party really needs at this point is articulate spokespeople, people who are willing to stand up and fight. That was Boehner's big problem. Boehner knew all the procedures, and Boehner ain't Phi Beta Kappa. It doesn't take somebody who's a genius to know all the procedures. It does take somebody who's able to draw a moral contrast, and Carson is able to do that, and that's what's so frustrating. It's why they have to keep, in both those clips, by the way, you see there's an active attempt by members of the media to paint Ben Carson as non-empathetic. And they have to do that, because it's the only argument they have. The problem they have with Carson, of course, is that Carson, of, of all the candidates, Carson comes off as the most empathetic. So if you, if you can come across as empathetic and then also be politically incorrect, that's a killer combination. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 